Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. everybody and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Oh, Nikki. Games. We're still talking about games. I'm so excited that we're doing this series. Aren't you excited? Are you excited as a gamer yourself? Uh, Because you made it very clear to me last week that I am a gamer. Wordle counts. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Wordle, and then this little arrow game that I play that is the stupidest thing ever, but I'm addicted to it. So yeah, I'm a gamer. We are continuing our conversation with games and how they help us think creatively and expand our horizons. And today we're going to be talking about a game that is designed for you, ADHDers. The concept is absolutely fantastic. And we've got the creator of the game here with us to tell us a little bit more about it. Before we dig in, however, please head over to TakeControlADHD.com and get to know us a little bit better. Listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list. We'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. Connect with us on Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest at Take Control ADHD. But to really connect with us, join us in the ADHD Discord community. It's super easy to jump into the general community chat channel you just visit takecontroladhd.com slash discord and you are whisked into the general invitation page to log in if you're looking for a little bit more particularly if the show has ever touched you or helped you understand your relationship to adhd in a new way we invite you to consider supporting the show directly through patreon patreon is listener supported podcasting and with a few dollars a month you can help guarantee that we continue to grow the show add new features and invest more heavily in our community you just need to visit patreon.com slash the adhd podcast to learn more one of the benefits is i do a podcast that's just for members and it's called placeholder and we've had two episodes in the last two weeks two episodes that's a big deal, Nikki Kinzer. It is a big and deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. I'm finding some mojo after it took me a little you while, are. but I'm finding some mojo. And we had a fantastic conversation with community member Matt Ricketts. Thank you very much, Matt. That was a really fun conversation. And I hope I hope you got something out of it. If you're members, you don't know how to subscribe, hit me up in Discord. I will help you out with that. 
Chris Leggy is a computer tech with a love for photography, game development, and creating things. He earned his BFA in photography and has published several tabletop role-playing games. He recently relocated to Washington from Alaska. That's culture shock. And he's here with us today to talk about his game, Soft Focuses, a journaling game aimed at simulating the experiences of an individual with ADHD, intended to build insights into the challenges and nuances of living with ADHD yourself. Chris, welcome to the ADHD Podcast. Thanks for having me. Let's start, before we dig into the game, let's start with ADHD. What's your relationship to ADHD? I was diagnosed when I was about six. I can't remember if I was technically five or six at the time. So they were trying to figure out why I was having problems in school, did all the normal things. I had all these tests done, and this was very early 90s, so it was not as common at that point. So I've always, pretty much since I can remember, had a name for it. In fact, we actually got my dad diagnosed because of me, because me and him are so similar. And it was pretty much, oh, so you have hmm. it. Like father, <laughs> like son. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. ADHD presents differently and everybody, True. me and him are probably the closest. He's the closest to what I, how it presents in me that I've seen. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. Being mm-hmm. able to know my experiences are completely valid by that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I've dealt with, I've had the name for it and I've known about it. I was not medicated until fairly recently. I managed to go without medication. They gave me the option. Mm-hmm. And this was back when they weren't balancing Ritalin and things. I'd see other kids that had it and I just didn't like what it was doing. And so I went, no. I got into college and still struggled and still had problems, but yeah. I, I pushed through. I realized I have so many friends that have ADHD that are medicated And I went, it doesn't change them because that was something that I'd always been concerned about was like, okay, it's going to change my creativity. It's going to do something. And I saw artist friends that were on medication and I went, oh, you know what? They're still creative. Yeah, they're (laughs) still creative. And I was tired of getting home from work and just being completely brain dead. Yeah. Mm. And I talked to my doctor and she started me off, thankfully, on one that worked for me. Like right Um, away. Right. Not, I, we had to balance it. Okay. But, but you didn't have to jump from med to med yeah. like a lot of people Which was do. nice. Yeah. yeah, that's great. And it's a non-stem. So mm-hmm. it's thankfully not as difficult to get right now as yeah. a lot of others. Yeah. <laughs> but that we figured out how to do, okay, for certain days, you're going to need a booster or here you, and figured all that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's been great. And actually, not since I started writing games, but... I have written the majority of the stuff that I've written since I started taking the meds because it just gives my brain that extra space. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, For sure. To use a gaming analogy, I've told all my game friends that it's like having temporary HP. It's just just a buffer. And then eventually I'll wear it down and I'll get to the... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I... We need to, we're going to need to dig into a little bit of background for those in the audience who play games, but not tabletop games or RPGs. We need to talk a little bit about that. And I'm really curious how your ADHD influences your experience with tabletop role-playing games. So I present all of that to you, that word salad to you, and I am eager to see what you can do with it. Almost everybody that I play with now or have played with are either... ADHD or have some other neurodivergence yeah. or have found out later that they have that. Like when we started playing, they didn't. 
I've got a friend who got two friends that actually have gotten diagnosed with ADHD since we started playing together a few years ago. It turns out gaming is a comorbid condition, I think. Yeah, it feels like that. So for me, I started off with a lot of video games, brand video games. Could never, when I was younger, could never quite figure out tabletop games. I saw it. I didn't understand how it went. So I just did something else. I was really like board games, that sort of thing, but not RPGs. Mm-hmm. Eventually, with the rise of actual plays and things like that, I actually started with the one shot. If anybody knows what that is, that that podcast is great. And that kind of got me hooked. And then a friend of mine ran some games. I didn't particularly vibe with the way that they ran it, but eventually I went, I was still into it and I went, I should just try running something. I'm reflecting on my experience with ADHD and games, especially gaming younger. You could sort of always tell the kids that I was playing with who had ADHD because they were the ones who were still playing six hours later, but had only moved a hundred feet. There's a lot going on and they have the stamina and the sort of hyper-focus and diligence to continue to hash out these long, expansive games and also didn't make a lot of progress. I don't know what a tabletop game is. There we go. I'm so glad you said that. Thank you, Nikki. Yes. (laughs) So a tabletop game is a, uh, it's collaborative storytelling. That's my favorite descriptor. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean it's necessarily falls into that the way you play. Some people play it more like wargaming, but I like collaborative storytelling. Essentially, it is instead of having the computer, everything's all lined up in an RPG on a video game, you would have almost every, the, the computer is me. I'm usually the game, guy running it. And that I'm role is world. called the game master or the dungeon game master, master, depending on. Or dungeon game. master. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, so in that case, the GM is essentially the world and all of the characters you interact with and all of the enemies and everything. So the person that you're playing with plays another, if I was playing with you, I would play a role. Yes. So I would be a, I could be an enemy or I could be. Not usually an enemy. Most of the time it's, and there are games that have that, but most of the time, especially with Dungeons and Dragons, the big one, it's more collaborative. Sometimes there is some crossfire between the party, but it's usually a collaborative experience. Mm -hmm. And so in... And this is one of like my home games. You have someone who's playing a fighter. Someone is playing a monk, which in D&D is like a martial artist. Another person is an artificer, which is like an inventor, alchemist type person. And the other person is a warlock and a bard. So they're like a magic caster with a non-musical bard, because I contend you don't need to be a musician when you're a bard. But controversial perspectives right here (laughs) on the ADHD podcast. So they all play their characters and they have their list of statistics that they use and list of things they can do. And like in combat, there's different moves you can make and Mm -hmm. they all each have their spells and they have their different attacks. And so I'll set the scene. They'll interact with it. They'll talk to people. I'll respond. I don't do voices like some DMs, but I will respond for all the NPCs, non-player characters. characters. Yeah. And I'll have all of the puzzles and everything set up. And basically, 
the way I see it, I'm setting up a puzzle for them to interact with throughout the whole thing. Is it the same people all the time? For me, mostly. A lot of my, the main group I play with, we have two different games going. I see. And it is the same group. They play the same roles each time too, right? Like you're not. It depends. Like I said, we've got two different games. So each game has its own character. Right. They have characters in one game and then they've got characters in the other. And another one. And in some cases you could have, like I'm part of a game that's been running for six years now. And we have multiple what's called a party. So we started with one party and there are five of us and the DM and we all have our roles and we got really accustomed to those characters. And then just on a lark, the DM says, okay, you wake up, you're new characters. You roll your new characters. You're in a castle in the same universe far away. Now you're playing somebody else. And eventually those things are going to come together. We don't know when, but that's how like you end up with some really interesting kind of psychological dynamics that you can play with where you have to embody this other person, this other being, and explore as if you're that person. And in that regard, you are playing the party against the DM or the GM, right? Because they're playing the enemies, they're playing the non-player characters, and they know all the answers. And your job is to get it from them and to solve the puzzles and complete the level. In the perfect world, it's not any kind of antagonistic right. thing. Right. Like, I I definitely am not the type of person that wants to get... That wants to kill PPK. characters. Right. Yeah, right. Right. Want, yeah. I do my best to make sure I'm not throwing anything at them that they can't yeah. handle. Yeah. Stuff like that. My character, I find this is... The ADHD bit of this is I find my characters are generally an exploration of what I would be like without ADHD. What my character is embodied is a tour of like wh- who I am when I'm most focused. And I think that is a, that, that's something that's been important to me to use as a, a way to explore interactions with other characters, doing things that I would not normally do in a safe mm-hmm. place. And that's one of the great things about tabletop games is mm-hmm. you can explore these different aspects. I know it's at this point almost a trope that people, <laughs> some people will start playing D&D and they will play someone of the opposite sex mm-hmm. and end up eventually dis- discovering that they're trans mm. by being able to explore that in a safe place. Yeah. They're able to have that. Mm-hmm. And as I try and tell people whenever, especially when I'm introducing someone new or anything like that, tend to be someone that introduces a lot of new people to tabletop games. It, the other thing that is you have to have a lot of experience and be able to build a character effectively, there is going to be part of you in that character. Sure. That um, makes sense. One of my best friends that is in this game, they realized partway through that this character they've been playing for years and is very similar to them. They ended up basically making a version of themselves for this character. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I can see that happening yeah. like unconsciously, like you're not even noticing that you're doing exactly. it. It just is part of it. Yeah. And I would say, Nikki, and I only drop this because you know these people, but I, but Kira, my wife, is yeah. she plays, she has played, and she is like the last person in the world that I would expect to jump into a D&D game. And Chris, for you, we're playing first edition. Wow. And yeah. And we've been playing for six years. And it did not take very long for her to embody her character and and be a part of it. She doesn't do voices in spite mm-hmm. of us asking mm-hmm. her to do voices. She won't do it. But 
she's every bit in that part that the rest of us are. And so I just say this in, in, by way of saying it'll unlock parts of your sort of psychology that you might not believe exists. You could say you're not a gamer and then be introduced to a game and realize, oh, Oh, I see I, the I, appeal for it. sure. This is, yeah. This is like a mental playground, right? <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 I see the appeal for sure. So let's transition. So that's tabletop role-playing game, right? That's the mm -hmm. experience of role-playing game. Let's talk about your game and especially the mechanic of a journaling game, because this is hard for me to wrap my head around a little bit. I've been reading your incredible documentation behind the game and I am so curious how this plays. So tell us about soft focuses and let's talk about the game as okay. a journaling game. Uh, yeah, let's start with what a journaling game is. Yes. And this is, there's a lot of different, like D&D &D is, like I said, the big game. It is like the archetype for a lot of tabletop games, but it is only one aspect. There are millions of games out there that can pretty much do anything you want them to. One of the things that I, after getting into tabletop games and a little bit before I started writing games, but then once I started writing games, I got into the idea of solo games where you are doing it by yourself. So some of those games, there's somewhere you are like drawing out a map. There's, and you're, or you're placing cards in a specific pattern and you're doing this over the course of what would be a session and you're following a set of rules, usually like a set of rules or prompts that think of it kind of like running it through a machine, mm -hmm. like an old school computer. You've got the card you feed in that counts all of the pips. It's like that. So you're still making your choices. You're still doing this, but you don't need to have someone there running it. And a journaling game is similar. That one, they tend to use a lot of prompts. So there are, I'm just going to show one that I really enjoy called Artifact. Mm -hmm. where you are playing as an, not a magical item, not the wielder of the item, but the item as it's passed down. You're playing different an object. Wielders. Yes. So <laughs> like a magic sword, a helmet, a shield, and you're playing the time from like this item's creation and it gets lost and then found again. And it's really, it can get really intense. It's great. Wow. That That's one thing. Yeah. Solo journaling games, because you are, it is just you. And it is just you writing stuff down. They can get intense because yeah. you you are embodying stuff a lot more. You're not interacting with other people on it. That's why I went that way with this. Because um, there's no gate, right? When you're just going through this, you don't have to yeah. worry about that sort of protecting the aspect of you being judged because the only right. judge is you. Right. Yeah. The only person to judge or shame you is yourself is yourself and you're very and I mean, capable that of that i'm yeah. just saying we're all very good at that but so that that's basically what a journaling game is you sometimes evolve dice cards sometimes you just pick prompts just whatever sounds good at that time and in the case of soft focuses it yeah, is soft focus is the name of your game that's what we, yes, we all yes, that is the name of the game to this right here we go we're yes. entering the i'd been trying to work on like you said i have a bfa in photography I'd been trying to work on a way to develop a game that, or not a game, just art, and mm -hmm. like a series to imbue empathy in someone. Because I feel like if more people were empathetic, things would be a lot better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I kept trying stuff and nothing was ever clicking with the art side of it. And eventually, due to a series of things that happened 
in my personal and work life, I just went, you know what? A game, a, a journaling game. Walk us through the yeah. play mechanics. What is What do you do? So the first thing you do, you are essentially playing an alternate version of yourself. And I put in new rules where you can, on how to, on the new version to how you can play it in other ways. So you're not necessarily playing yourself. If you want to, if you're trying to understand a family member, you can figure out how to stat them. So there's okay. two different sets of stats. There's social and executive stats okay. in the game. So for like social stats, you have stuff like inattentiveness, delay aversion, emotional regulation, things that are more how you're interacting with people. Or you have your executive functions, which are like time management, planning, cognitive flexibility, yeah. set shifting, working mm -hmm. memory. And you're doing a reverse on these. So when you are writing out your stats, you are marking them down. So I have several methods here. I'm going to go with the normal. This is how you would play yeah. a lot Creating of tabletop games. Yeah. So you're going to roll seven six-sided dice and remove the highest and the lowest from them. Okay. There's five stats in each section. You are then going to just assign those to wherever you would want. So if you are more affected by having problems with time management, that would be something if you roll a five, you put the five there. Mm -hmm. And like I said, you can figure out ways to stat people or things like that. So for example, if a parent wants to figure out how their kid is experiencing it, they yeah. can help figure out with the kid what the stats would be and be able to use that going forward. And you want to roll, you want to put your higher rolls toward the traits that are hardest for you in real life? Yes, the ones that affect you the most. Got it. Got it. So how your ADHD presents. So if my inattentiveness is one of my mm -hmm. big things, so that would go higher for me. Set switching is not a problem I have at all. So that would be like if I rolled a one or a two, that, whatever my lowest would be, that's what I would mm -hmm. put. Okay. Working memory would also be for me, as evidenced <laughs> by me having to check your own, my own game. Yeah. <laughs> but so from there, you have these this person. Yes. And you start off by, it could be at the end of the day, it could be the next day writing for the previous day. You write down a list of the major things that happened that day. Oh, I went into this meeting. I, I did this. Oh, the copier got stuck paper at jam work. paper jam yeah yeah i had to wait in line or i had went i stopped to get coffee things like that you don't mm -hmm. have to be real specific on what's going on you just kind of have to remember what happened at that point you then those are your prompts and you are going to take those and when you are going through them you're going to write out this list and start at the top you're going to then roll for whatever stat fits that the best so if it's a meeting and you were the note taker. That's but probably I'm constantly distracted. Inattentiveness. Okay. So that would be the stat you would use for it. Roll for inattentiveness. Yeah, exactly. And you're going to roll to see how much that affects you. And there's a table in there for each. So if you rolled like a four on the inattentiveness, so inattentiveness is executive there we go it is so if you roll a four you would then be subtracting your inattentiveness score so if you've got an inattentiveness score of three that ends up being a one okay and if you have a one 
You get to the end of the task and realize you did not complete parts of it. <laughs> using exactly the stat what world, happens. what did you forget and why? <laughs> and now so, I have a prompt to remind me that I did not do the, all of the job, which is exactly, exactly what happened. Yeah, this is primarily meant for people that do not have ADHD. I have some stuff in here for people that have ADHD now. Mm -hmm. The first version, there was really none of that. And you could tell when people were didn't realize they had ADHD if they got into it. And it's, it's just drained me yeah. to play. Uh, someone I know in the tabletop community helped actually help them get their diagnosis they've been trying to get for a while. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's fascinating. After they, they played it because they were like, oh, yeah, this hurts. So <laughs> and, from this perspective, Chris, like this, it seems where who is targeted for this game? Who's playing it? What are the messages that they're getting out of it? Because I, I feel like if I don't have ADHD, like the only reason I'm going to play this game is because I have people who are mad at me because I don't understand their ADHD. Right. And, and that, that, that's, that's like kind of a small audience. It is. It's a very, yeah. it's a very niche thing, but it is, there's a lot of people that I know that have wanted to help understand yeah. how other someone else is going through this. Not necessarily that they're, someone's mad at them. When I sent out the review version early on for when we were doing the crowdfunding for the new version, yeah, someone in the games journalism community had some very nice things to say about it and they don't have ADHD, but they were like, this is such a good tool for that because it helps me understand how someone is coming through with how someone else is experiencing that. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of avenues that this could be really helpful. It can be helpful for the person who just got diagnosed and doesn't really understand. So this mm -hmm. could give them a better understanding of themselves and why some of these things have been difficult. But then I also think it can be really helpful for, you mentioned parents, if their mm -hmm. child is diagnosed with ADHD to get a better idea. Teachers, it could be really helpful if they have a couple of kids in their class that have ADHD and they need to have a little bit more empathy of what's going on. But I also think couples, People who are yes. in romantic relationships, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. that could be a game yeah. changer in this is what it's like here. You got to check it out because it's really hard to explain what you're feeling or what's going on when it's really hard to explain. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So yeah, I can see a lot of areas where it could be really helpful. Yeah. And that's, that was the biggest problem early on was trying to get the right messaging because there were so many people with ADHD that played it and were like, this is like double my ADHD. Yeah. Why? Right. <laughs> um, I want to live <laughs> through this on Yeah, paper exactly. Yeah. It's, I did put some fun stuff in this version, but it's not exactly what I would call a fun game, <laughs> even if you don't have ADHD. Yeah. Um, no, but it's an educational game, right? Yeah. And it's a resource. That's how right. I look at it is it's not necessarily like the D&D &D stuff that you guys were talking about, but as a resource, as something to really educate people around, it yeah. would be yeah. huge. Yeah. And what I ended up doing with this version is I did create a, I did create and test a way of making it easier for people with ADHD. So it's less of a mental hit. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I did, because I wanted to have something for people, not just that, but something else for people with ADHD and for like better representation of ADHD in tabletop games, because there's a lot of stuff out there that is not what I would call a good representation. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of good representation out there, but there's some that's not. And I wanted to give people the option of being able to play an ADHD character. Mm-hmm 
in another game. So I have a whole thing at the back for various systems and ways of adapting it. So there's like a D&D and Pathfinder section where oh, here's so you how you roll a character and essentially stat lock it as an ADHD character. Not just your the stats game. there, but like it runs the same way. So there is a mechanic in here called the morning roll because mm -hmm. it does feel like a lot of times, at least from my perspective, from a lot of people I've talked to, how you wake up in the morning. Yeah. You wake up too groggy, you sleep too late, you toss and turn all night, things like that. They all affect it. And so you do this roll at the beginning of every day to determine how you're going to do. And if you roll really badly, oh. you may forget your meds if you're using meds. You may you may have a negative to the first few rolls that you have. <laughs> I see, though. I could absolutely see I need to put a set of dice by my desk because or by my bedside table because I can absolutely <laughs> see how I would get into the habit of rolling and like the act of getting a lousy roll would help me remember, oh, wait, no, that I don't believe it. I am going to take my meds. I am going to take all my vitamins. Yeah, I am going to shower today. Like it's, it could be a trigger. Just going through yeah. the morning roll could be a trigger to help me put on my best character. That's right. So there's different rules for each system because some systems are based on like days, like D&D is based on days. Mm -hmm. One of my favorites called Blades in the Dark is more based on it's a heist game sort of thing. And so it's the beginning of each score. You are rolling your morning roll, essentially. <laughs> and then there are additional tables for that so that whenever you roll a certain way, if you're playing D&D, whenever you roll below a certain number on a check, you would then make your roll. Yeah. Or if something hits one of your stats. So if you have something that would hit set shifting when you're playing, and you would work this out with your game master. Yeah. This is not something I would recommend you just bring in and just go with. You want to make New sure your rolls. game master is okay with this. Yeah. Yeah. So for D&D, &D, if or D20 systems, because they all function similarly in that way, you're playing in a D20 system, make your morning roll after your first long rest, which is when you sleep for the night. Right. Or at the beginning of your in-game day. When you make a roll with one of the determined stats, Modify the dice used based on the results of an event roll. And then there is a new event table here. Okay. When you roll a six, there is a hyper-focusing table. <laughs> and I didn't want it to be the stereotype of hyper-focusing is this superpower because it's not a lot of the time. Yeah. You will hyper, I will hyper-focus and lose sleep. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, the amount of times I... If I did not have my partner, there would be a lot more times where I'd be like five o'clock and I go, oh, mm -hmm. I haven't eaten today. I Can I transition a bit? Because I want to dig yeah. into a couple, uh, to, uh, two more points. And the first one is, what kind of research did you do to build the game in the first place? What did that process look like? It was a lot of talking to people that, like I said, yeah. I know oh my, it, that thing where neurodivergent people tend to find each other yeah. without knowing it. Uh, almost all of my friends are neurodivergent in some way. So I was able to run a lot of stuff by them, yeah. talk to them. But I also, I am the type of person that will research. I'm personally, uh, this is slight side note, I'm arachnophobic. I learned early on, like, if I learn about stuff, if I know your enemy, mm -hmm. was my mantra with it. I know more about spiders than anybody that's arachnophobic should know. Like I can identify all the spiders in the area. I'm, I will research. 
And same thing with this. I mm -hmm. was like reading medical journals and reading all sorts of different medical texts and things that are yeah. published online. I was just going through tons of it to make sure everything I was doing was on the money. Have you ever had it vetted by, I don't know, a, a gaming psychotherapist? Not necessarily. I have, I have yeah. had a number of therapists and psychiatrists Plain. <laughs> actually they when we were doing the crowdfunding a number of them a number of people from various countries were backing it because they wanted copies for their office but we have had so many experts practicing therapists on the show and many of them i think this i think of this as one of those resources it could be a great office tool for people who you know of a certain mindset who need to understand their family better this could be a really interesting tool. You mentioned the crowdfunding piece. What went into that? Why a new version? What's new? What's different? The original version was just the basic rules. Mm -hmm. It didn't include the how to play if you have ADHD, all of the alternate system stuff. And it didn't include really any comorbidities. And there were a few things in there I didn't like about the way it was set up originally. Mm -hmm. And so there was always, I always had this idea of releasing like an expansion to it after I did the first one. And eventually it ended up more than doubling in size. So it just became like, all right, this is just the new version yeah. that I'm releasing. Because I wanted to cover stuff. I know if you're assigned female at birth, you and you experience a menstrual cycle. Yeah. Your meds, a lot of times, depending on the medron, just stop working part of the year. Yeah. Or part of the month. It's there's and there's so many comorbidities. There's so many things that affect and come along with ADHD, PTSD, and anxiety, and depression, and other things that can affect and change the way your ADHD actually presents and the way you personally deal with it. Yeah. I, I can't believe how those. much of that stuff you've included in here. Like, I'm, <laughs> yeah, just, I was reading it this morning. It was like medication balancing and refills and interactions and just so many details of the ADHD life for people like it in terms of the final feedback, when you have somebody who really invests in learning the whole thing and going through it, how long do you feel like it takes for people to come back to you and say, Hey, Chris, my mind is officially blown. I get it. <laughs> I don't know how long people are spending with it because most of the people that I've seen in person with it, like they'll, they'll, it's a lot of people, it's like my partner's been there to help me. Like I'm, I write a lot of stuff, but I am a terrible proofreader. Mm -hmm. My partner is a godsend <laughs> when it comes to that. that. Right. And so they've been there the whole time watching as I'm doing this, they've seen every iteration of it, but other people that have play tested it and worked on it, they... I usually get, they'll start reading in like within a day or two, I'll get something, come back and go, yeah, yeah. what, what? Yeah. 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 And that's, um, that's as I think about it. Like sometimes that's one of the reasons I really like this whole series we're doing because the act of having ADHD, it feels, oh, I have to roll dice for everything. That's just, it's my life experience. How do you feel like your relationship with your own ADHD is changed by virtue of thinking through this level of detail? Like I mentioned about the spiders. Yeah. So I'm still arachnophobic, but I am able to deal with it more. When I was younger, yeah. it was at the point where if I saw a spider anywhere near my room or my bed, I just was not sleeping that night. And now it's, okay, get the vacuum. I'm able to process it more because I understand, no, that is not like a poisonous one. And that's yeah. how this is. I am able to 
look at it from a slightly more clinical standpoint. I'm able to put myself outside of my own experience. What I'm trying to get people to do with by playing the game, just from my pers- from my end, and able to look at it and go, okay, this is hitting me pretty hard right now. I can tell this is affecting me more. Like I know I I personally deal with anxiety, and I've had depression, which if you have depression, that never really goes away. Right. It's always there. And being able to like go through that and do the research and take that initial mental hit of doing all that, come out the other side and kind of look at it from a slightly different perspective now. So I'm able yeah. to, I'm kinder to myself yeah. in a way. Mm-hmm. I'm able to not beat myself up for various things. That's great because it's yeah. separating the condition to who you are as a person. It's not who yeah. you are. Yeah. Something and that happens. Yeah. I've always had that. I've always known, no, this doesn't mean I'm a bad person or anything like that. I haven't learned that fairly early on because mm-hmm. it was, I've learned to adapt to my ADHD a lot. I've developed a lot of coping skills over the years because when I was younger, it was, I was really, it hit me really hard. Yeah. And so I took a lot of mental hit from that when I was younger, but I've adapted and kind of learned, no, that's not like the core of who I am. It is a big part of me, but it is not the core of who I am. Mm -hmm. And this helped with everything else around it that kind of surrounds it. Yeah. Ah, That's great. I'll tell you, I, it's, I'm sure there are people listening to this show who are thinking I have to roll dice to journal. And even after talking about this for the last hour, they're saying, oh my gosh, I have to roll dice to journal. And so I just want to say, if you're one of those people, please, at a minimum, go check out this game. Because I think in terms of the just straight up creator economy, this is incredibly, an incredibly impressive expression of you as a gamer, as a writer, and as a thinker in how your relationship with ADHD has matured over the years. It it is extraordinary to me. And I am, I'm in awe of it in so many ways. And I want other people to at least explore what it means, what it looks like and support that experience. So please check it out. Where do people go, go look at it? Before you go with that though, Chris, Pete, I want to say to your point, I love the idea of having a dice tell me like what question to look at. (laughs) That is great. I don't want to have to think about it. So anyway, that's, yeah. Dice are very powerful are worried about rolling too many dice. It is just six-sided dice. You don't need the full D&D set. And it's a minimal amount of rolls. It's a couple of rolls per section of your entry. It's more just to get you thinking and realizing how much randomness affects how things are going to, how you're going to interact. Everything. Oh, that's the message. How much randomness affects everything. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Um, Okay. But if you're looking to pick it up, we, it will be up by the time this goes up. We're still working on getting it finalized. We have, me and my partner have a site for the games and stuff we're making, lumberwoodstudios.com. There's a link to it there. You can pick it up on itch.io if you have, an account there you can search for it it is there and soon it will be up on indie press revolution we're getting physical copies over there so if you didn't kickstart it or it wasn't kickstarted but if you didn't crowdfund it and you would like a physical copy of it they will be available 
there soon. Love it, love it. Lumberwoodstudios.com, link in the show notes. This has been great. Chris, thank you so much for coming and sharing a little bit about not just the game, but what these games are and gaming culture and teaching Nikki how to <laughs> RPG. <laughs> so helpful. Thank you so much. This was great. Yes, uh, for sure. Thank you for having me. And thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. Thank you for your time and your attention. Don't forget, if you have something to contribute about the conversation, we're heading over to the Show Talk channel on our Discord server, and you can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level or better. On behalf of Chris Leggy and Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you right back here next week on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Thank you.